It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is a special edition of the podcast, and we're being joined by John Hardiman, the Public Affairs Director of NJM, New Jersey Manufacturers, one of the Mid-Atlantic's largest property and casualty insurers. And he is a board member of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. Thanks for joining us, John. Oh, thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me. Hey, Alan, how are you? Uh, John, great having you. Great to have you at the uh, summit also. Thank you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Well, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the insurance industry and smart driving cars, whether we're talking about self-driving or the technologies that are available now to make vehicles safer. John, let's start out with some thoughts from you on on how important some of this new technology, things like lane departure warnings, maybe super cruise control, maybe automatic emergency braking, how those are important from your perspective. Yeah, well, uh, thanks, Fred. Anytime there is uh, technology that can make cars safer, it's absolutely important to us. Uh, not only as a company, but as an industry. Um, you know, our job really is to, to ensure against risk. But like, like any good nonprofit, you know, if we're doing our jobs right and we're helping to, to promote safety and to promote new technologies, um, we'd be happy, you know, to some extent, if, if we, we put ourselves out of business. So, um, so, you know, we're thrilled that, that, that there are the technologies that are being put into cars, um, you know, pr- progressively are making them safer. It helps us do our jobs better. And from a societal point of view, it's certainly something we want to see more of. Now, Alan, you've been talking for quite some time about how you've had this long-held view that the insurance industry will be a driving force in getting these new technologies into widespread use and in the eventual adoption of self-driving and driverless transportation. How, how do you see the insurance industry's role here, Alan? Well, I, I, I see it um, uh, just as John indicated. I think this is a, a value proposition for the uh, insurance, uh, even the insurance industry, uh, because, of course, uh, insurance uh, basically uh, has us uh, pay a premium. They hold it, uh, it holds it for a while uh, until we get ourselves in trouble and then uh, bails us out um, when we get ourselves in trouble. And, um, and as such, uh, uh, they've done a fine job. Uh, what would be really nice is if uh, the technologies that we bought kept us from uh, getting into trouble. Uh, so that they wouldn't have to uh, uh, spend the money that we gave them and therefore might even charge us a little bit less. And um, I'd say keep more for yourself too if you've done it. Uh, There's money on the table to make everybody happy. So uh, that's fundamentally the way I've looked at it. Uh, One of the problems has been in, in convincing the insurance industry of this is that is that uh, unfortunately uh, safety uh, as we have been doing it in the past has been a a collision mitigation type of safety. It's been focused on saying, oh my goodness, we're going to have the collisions. 
let's make sure uh, that uh, that the occupants inside the vehicle are are um, not hurt as much as they would otherwise have been. And um, what that's what that's required is then for the, uh, there to be, let's say, more expensive technology in cars so that when they crash, uh, yes, um, uh, the crash mitigation technology uh, does keep people from dying, does keep the injuries down. Uh, but uh, as far from uh, the perspective of the insurance industry, it makes it much more expensive. Uh, to repair those vehicles and the liabilities actually go up. So in some sense, they've had to increase their their uh, rates uh, to uh, provide us uh, with uh, the safety, the, the collision mitigation technology that's, uh, that's not injured us as badly uh, when we crash. What's new with this technology is that it's focused on keeping us from crashing in the first place. And that has to save money. That has to be valuable to the insurance industry. So now that they can, if they convince us and, and really encourage the manufacturers uh, to, uh, to produce this technology that keeps us from crashing, then in fact, uh, they don't have to pay out as much and therefore they can keep more for themselves and give us a discount too. And we're much safer. So it seems like it's win, 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 win all around for this. And that's why I think that the insurance industry should be leading. Yes, maybe they're gross revenue will go down, uh, their gross profitability will go up. And I think it's profitability or as far as um, New Jersey manufacturers is concerned. I mean, you're nonprofit, aren't you, John? Uh, you can return all the benefits to me and to <laughs> us, right? Uh, is, that, is that the way it goes? Well, something like that. We, uh, we are uh, a company that operates in a uh, in a true mutual fashion and we do return all of our our profits to uh to our customers so and i'm one of your so customers john <laughs> <laughs> and i'm very happy so, about so, that <laughs> well that's great we're, ha we're happy to have you um so yeah so what we don't use to pay claims goes right back to our customers but the, the point's a really good one and and the insurance industry has uh, really, um, we are going to be, uh, well, let me be clear. I don't speak to the entire industry, but from NJM's perspective, we are going to be enablers of, uh, this type of technology all for, you know, getting to a, a place where cars are talking to each other and, and to Alan's really important point, staying out of accidents in the first place. Um, and we do that as an industry through our support of, organizations like the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, which uh, is funded by um, companies that represent about 90% of the auto insurance market in the United States and increasingly in Canada. So, uh, you know, the IAHS uh, is constantly doing, um, you know, research to determine what technologies are working, where we need improvements, and then to go one step further, as an industry, we also fund an organization called 
the advocates for highway and auto safety. Uh, and though the, it, it, it isn't uh, an, an official partnership, what, what happens is the IIHF puts out research, um, and that's their job, right? They're a research organization. Um, and then the advocates for highway and auto safety typically takes that research and turns it into action on Capitol Hill, lobbying for you know safe driving laws um, and technologies that you know we know will make the road safer. And as as far as the industry goes, um, you know, Alan also made another point about the auto insurance market perspective. Um, over time, that will happen. Right? It's not a question of of uh, you know if, but when. Right? Cars are going to get to a point someday where they're going to be involved in less accidents. Alan's also right, though, in saying that what we've seen, at least from an NGM perspective, is um, uh, crash frequencies haven't gone down that much, but crash severity has gone up. And that's the whole point is that the, the technology um, in, in the bumper, say, for example, are more costly to replace. So in the end, what we want is we don't want cars to get into accidents. Where does that leave us as an industry? Well, that's for the companies to, to figure out. I said before, we're going to be enablers of this. And we are. Our job now as, as an industry is to, you know, be relevant in other places. And in, in the event that auto insurance ultimately goes away or the insurance companies play a lesser part, we don't want to prevent that. We want to enable that. And it's going to be our job to figure out how to be relevant in a world where cars aren't crashing. Ultimately, that's what we want. Well, John, uh, I'd like to suggest um, um, right here is that, is that, look, especially for New Jersey manufacturers, uh, I know that I get a check back from you every year um, that basically um, is um, the profits that you would have otherwise maybe stuck in your pocket, you send back to the policy owners. And so, therefore, um, uh, us policy owners are really in it with you. I know it's tough uh, to go change regulations to offer discounts. I'm more than willing to to continue to have my insurance um, and and not get a discount. Uh, and recognizing that uh, if I don't crash, uh, meaning not just I but the rest of us, Fred and you and everybody else, don't crash. You're going to be at the end of the year left with so much money that you'll just distribute back to us. Um, what you what we haven't um, uh, wasted by crashing, and I think that that if uh, so that in in a way uh, we all benefit from not crashing, and and I'd like to propose that really you and you work with IIHS, which you are, to determine which technologies really do work and promote those one way or another, encourage us to go out and buy those vehicles. And guess what? We're not going to crash. And guess what? You're going to end up with a big pot of money to give back to us at the end of the year. And we're all going to be happy. So we certainly don't want you to go away. You have to be there. You still will be there. And in some sense, the only thing that you won't, that you will do much less of is pay liability expenses. Why? Because we aren't crashing. Uh, but you'll have a much 
much bigger job at the end of the year, uh, sending um, rebate checks back to each of us because we behave, behave so well and not crash. How do you like that for a proposal? Well, I think in, in our in our world, that's what we would call nirvana, right? So, um, but what will happen along the way is as as vehicles, uh, you know, become safer, as we are able to determine scientifically that. Uh, that uh, technologies are um, are in fact preventing crashes. We'll see. We'll, we'll likely see prices, auto insurance prices, go down over time. So, uh, for example, um, uh, automatic uh, emergency braking is uh, now, I believe, uh, mandated that uh, all vehicles have uh, AED. Um, as a standard feature by 2022, although I'm hearing that that may get pushed back uh, a couple of years. But ultimately, go ahead. Yeah, ultimately, as as the vehicles all are able to um, prevent themselves from getting into, you know, rear rear, front to rear end collisions, um, we'll see that in in, in our our, uh, loss data. And then we'll, we will adjust rates accordingly. So, you know, over time, there will be, just like there are now for airbags or anti-lock brakes, and we give discounts for those features. And once the science shows us that, that these, these features are working, we'll, we will adjust rates accordingly. In, in some sense, uh, it, it doesn't matter to me as a consumer whether you adjust the rate or not. I, I think if, if you encourage me and others to go buy those that the IIHS has determined, in fact, really do help um, um, uh, reduce the number of, of, of these crashes and the, the, the cost of the crashes, uh, because there aren't crashes anymore or, or those type or much fewer, then in fact, you're going to give me a rebate anyway, because you're going to be left with all this money. You have to give it back to us. So I'm just as happy. Um, but I, but it, uh, yeah. yes, if you do go out and, and in fact, um, put a carrot uh, on, at the end of the stick, uh, when I go down to the whatever dealer, and you you uh, basically have uh, this, uh, have determined through IIHS that these uh, features really do make the car safer and and do uh, re- reduce number of crashes, uh, then I think you'll be encouraging me to buy that, and I think we'll all be better off. So I guess that's that's sort of um, uh, the uh, the the. Um, uh, pitch that I've been making. And I think we, we're both in agreement, uh, but it's working with insurance. It doesn't mean you, you go away, of course. I mean, who knows? Um, uh, something might happen for which I do need you. So everybody's still yeah. going to need insurance. Um, and so you're not going away. It's just that the amount of money that you have to spend is going to reduce a great deal. Yeah, and in our case, we're sort of an anomaly because we, even if, if in the short term, rates aren't um, adjusted uh, to the right extent because, uh, you know, the, we're, we're still learning about the data. Your point about uh, crashes going down um, and are having more profitability at the end of the year means we're going to we're sending that back anyway but that's so, why we love so, you that's why we love you yeah, john right. that, that, we're working right. together so on this one 
in Ed JM's case, it, it, it will either be um, discounted rates up front or dividend returns on the back end. Absolutely. That's really why you, you could be out there leading everybody else. You know, yeah, I mean, it well, really it, is a, a good place for you to be. I think, yeah, anyway, no, it's, it's not, not to tell you what a, where you should be, John. But uh, anyway, well, I, what my my point was that we we have an enduring uh, legacy of uh, safety, starting out uh, 106 years ago, making the the workplaces uh, in New Jersey safer, and as we've become a, a leading auto insurer in New Jersey, that. That commitment has extended to the roadways. So, um, you know, like I said earlier, and I said this last week at a uh, at a conference, or, or I should say at a um, at a seminar, and the week a couple of weeks before at Allen's uh, great conference up at Princeton, uh, we we're, we're, we will be a neighbor of this. We want to see this. Um, we want to see, you know, uh, just like we want to see workplaces safe, we want to see our roadways safe, and and. I agree. We're, look, we're not we're not going anywhere. There's always going to be something to ensure. It's our job to to adjust as you know uh, as nimbly as we can to what the landscape around us is doing. So, um, and I I hope all join uh, insurers join us in saying that you know we want to be leading this this effort to to reduce accidents, to reduce injury, and to reduce uh, costs associated with that. Are you thinking that the industry, uh, NJM and others, can can play a significant role in in overcoming public acceptance and and legislative hurdles? I mean, we've all seen surveys about the fears that people have and uh, the reluctance some um, lawmakers have in in really getting this going. Well, uh, as far as the the societal acceptance. Um, you know, Fred, I candidly, I, I was at a, at a, I'm up at a communications conference, uh, and, and one of the things I, I learned yesterday was, look, if you don't have the answer, just say, I don't know. I don't know how the insurance industry can impact um, or influence, uh, you know, societal viewpoint on this. Um, I, I do think, in part, this is a generational thing, and that, uh, you know, my kids who are 17 and 14 are probably far more likely to to trust a car um, that drives itself. And my parents who are in their 70s probably won't ever get to that point. So um, so where it makes sense, you know, for us to say, um, you know, this is this is something that you can feel confident around, we will. But I I do think that this is something that is will play out over time. And uh, the more confident people are with technology, um, the more that's just been a part of their life, the more likely they probably are to adapt to this. As far as legislators are concerned, I mean, we, um, and I mentioned the advocates for highway auto safety, uh, earlier. They are, um, probably the, well, I, 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 I'll be declarative. I'll tell you that they are the leading, uh, safety advocacy group. Um, in, in the country and very well respected on Capitol Hill. We, that's their job, right? They're experts in, in advocating, uh, and lobbying for safety. So we'll continue to support them through our human and financial resources and let them do what they do best, which is 
which is promoting, you know, and advocating for, for good, um, thoughtful safety legislation. I agree with you 100%, John. I think uh, I think the role of the insurance industry is to is to uh, make it so that what I call safe driving cars, that means the cars that we buy anyway that we're going to drive, are in fact uh, safer uh, because they have systems on there that that basically look over our shoulder and make sure that we don't screw up, and if we screw up, uh, takes over and and saves the day for us. I think that's that's very much in your interest and, and, and in our interest as consumers uh, to have those vehicles. Uh, once we all get accustomed to that to that technology and realize that in fact it, it, we aren't looking for the wires as to how to turn it off because it's it's not working right or or it's aggravating us. Uh, once we we become um, uh, accustomed to it then I think the rest of it can, can take care of itself. Uh, the, whether or not we end up taking our hands off the wheel and, and feet off the, off the uh, pedals, um, that's, that's here and or there. Uh, the idea is that we should have technology in our vehicles that keep them from crashing. And then if it gets so darn good that in fact um, uh, we get chauffeured around, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's also um, uh, let's first become accustomed uh, to the safe driving technology, which is really uh, providing the fundamental value of, 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 of real safety. And that real safety is, is uh, reducing the number of crashes. Um, and, uh, and let's focus on that one. Well, no, I wanted just to point out that um, I think where, where we need to do maybe a, a little better job of educating and informing consumers is is exactly to Alan's point. Features, so so having autonomous features in cars is going to make them safer, and that is that's the road to autonomy. Whether or not we ever actually get to a, a, a place where cars are fully driving themselves is you know anyone's guess. And, the IAH will tell you that the that that's decades away because of how long it takes to turn over a fleet of 240 million vehicles. But every time an autonomous feature is put into a car, they're safer. So I, I think that I, I do think there needs to be education around the fact that we talk about autonomy. Um, we're not always or not necessarily talking about cars literally driving themselves. But having features in them that can assist in, uh, you know, getting into credit. Exactly my point. It does raise some interesting questions, though, that, that I think uh, a lot of people, mainstream consumers would have, whether you're talking about uh, uh, semi-autonomous vehicles, or the, you know, the, the car taking over, as Alan said, to save the day, uh, the brains of the car taking over. If there is a crash, uh, people will say, well, I wasn't responsible. The vehicle was. So how does insurance work in, in those kinds of situations? Uh, how do you envision it? Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that really is for now. That's the big question. Um, I, you know, we, we just, we don't know. Again, if, 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 if there's a, if there's a steering wheel and a brake pedal and a gas pedal, um, 
I, I think auto insurance will always have a, have a play. Um, if there isn't, and a car is truly driving itself and, and there is no driver involvement at all, that probably becomes, uh, becomes a product liability, um, situation. So, um, again, the, the simple answer is we, we just don't know at this point. Um, the other model is that, you know, you could potentially walk into a dealership at some point in the future, buy a car, and with it comes comes the insurance. So the the business model over time will likely evolve. What it evolves into, I don't I I don't think we could say at this point um, definitively. Yeah, I, I I agree, John. I think that's that's uh, looking too far into the future, and 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 we'll be able to sort it out when it comes. It just seems to me that um, that if if uh, I own a vehicle and I put it out there to provide mobility, then I'm the responsible entity, and I need I need insurance to uh, uh, to um, uh, be responsible. Uh, whether or not in the end um, uh, the the onus is on me uh, because I was irresponsible in the process or the onus is on on uh, on the uh, OEM because they were irresponsible in the process we'll sort that out uh, but um, just like we do to, in some sense today uh, at times it could be could be uh, product liability certainly at the beginning of uh, analog brakes, uh, some folks tried to make the claim that it was a product liability issue. Uh, in the end, it turned out, no, it really isn't. Uh, um, uh, analog brakes really do work. Um, it, it was it was uh, uh, the driver's uh, 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 problem, not the brakes problem. So uh, we'll, we'll go through and we'll, we'll, we'll shake those things out. Um, but, um, and, and they'll be done in the beginning and then, um, we'll move on from that. Yep. That's right. Well, John, you're also a member of a safe kids worldwide consortium on protecting children in autonomous vehicles. Tell us a little bit about the, the focus there. Well, this is a, uh, this is a, a, a new uh, coalition that has been created by safe kids worldwide um, to help ensure that all the stakeholders are being considered um, in the in the evolution of autonomous vehicles so um, it really is just intended to bring together a group of experts from a whole number of different fields uh, you know academia the insurance industry um, to you know come together and help provide guiding uh, to policymakers um, when it comes to um, what what are what are they requiring that be built into autonomous vehicles just to make sure the occupants in the back seat for the most part are equally protected as occupants in in the front seat so um, and I think that this really gets to you know one of the the really you know big big questions about autonomy and it's just making sure all around, you know, that all the stakeholders are considered in there. And I think everybody, you know, wants to see vehicles um, that can help prevent crashes, but they just want to do it in a thoughtful way. 
Absolutely, John. And and if we, you know, extend into the, the driverless realm, where in fact, these vehicles are providing mobility, uh, as we did at, at the summit, we talked about the that, that they be inclusive and designed to be inclusive, so that in fact, they're safe for people who need wheelchairs, uh, they're safe for for the for the visually impaired, uh, they're safe for the uh, cognitively um, challenged, uh, uh, and 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 of course, uh, safe for the elderly. Uh, the other uh, population that could really benefit from this mobility are are the young. Maybe not the very young, uh, but let's say the the thirteen to sixteen year olds or the twelve or eleven to 16-year-olds who right now need to be chauffeured by their parents or somebody to be able to get anywhere. All of a sudden, if if this form of mobility is out there allowing them uh, to have more freedom of mobility, more opportunities to go to soccer practice or violin lessons or, or math camp or the library or you name it, uh, then, of course, the design has to be such that they're designed to be accommodating uh, to that population as well as the other populations that I just mentioned. So it's very important uh, that here at the beginning uh, of this technology, we uh, we make sure that, in fact, uh, they are designed inclusively uh, to serve everyone, uh, not just be um, uh, toys for uh, some particular group um, or um, provide even more mobility to some folks who already have too much. And, and I think that when I mentioned before about uh, our, our needing to collectively do a better job of educating and informing, that Alan's point there is probably the best example of, I think when we talk about autonomous vehicles, we think about safety, we think about cars driving themselves, but I think what we forget sometimes, and Alan works really hard at making sure that we don't forget this, is how this is going to autonomy will bring mobility to people who don't have it today. But think about how that raises the quality of life for people. Absolutely. So there is, I mean, the, the and because of one step further, um, Think about how the positive impact that would have on the economy, right? So um, that is a, just another point to all this that sometimes we just forget about because so much focus is put on the safety. But, um, you know, uh, people who who are, are blind or elderly or disabled who don't have the ability to be, to be mobile now will have that. And, and I, I will just say one more time about um, the advocates for highway and auto safety. Um, based in Washington, D.C., who lead the effort, I think, from a legislative perspective on autonomy. It, it, it is a coalition of insurance companies, and you know them all. They're all the major insurance companies in the country, and consumer advocacy groups. For example, Consumer Federation of America, Whirlwind Wheelchair International, for example, the Trauma Foundation. Um, these are Outside of the boardroom, these are organizations sometimes that have um, conflicting opinions. Um, it's probably an understatement to say that sometimes. 
Um, in a lot of cases, we have conflicting opinions. But when we get into that room, we're in the room to make sure that all everybody's interests are represented as autonomous stakeholders developed because you can't under uh, emphasize how important the the mobility factor is in all of this. That's terrific. Great, great to hear you say that. We have a couple of other headlines to talk about, Alan. Uh, Fiat Chrysler, after breaking off merger talks with Renault, has reached an agreement to work with California-based startup Aurora Innovation for its self-driving technology. Interesting move. Uh, it is. Uh, it's nice to see Aurora got, uh, uh, come in and join up with um, uh Chrysler Fiat or Fiat Chrysler. And um, I think that the uh, other merger with Renault had more to do with a lot of other things rather than just uh, um, uh, autonomous vehicles or, or, or automated driving technology. But this is, a, this is a good team up for both, I think. And in uh, Tel Aviv this week uh, for an auto tech conference, Ford chairman Bill Ford uh, denied that the company is in self-driving in, in the self-driving slow lane, as it was put. Uh, he said Ford's self-driving Argo system, that was an acquisition a couple of years ago, is incredibly competitive. Um, well, um, yeah, I, I guess if Bill said it, uh, I guess <laughs> it's true. They just haven't said much lately. And, and uh, Aurora hasn't said much lately either. Uh, Waymo hasn't said much lately. None of them have said much lately. Um, uh, so um, I think uh, a lot of the, the hype associated uh, with this technology has, um, has uh, basically subsided. And I think they're all working very hard uh, to, um, to try to be, the, the, be, be safe coming out of the gate. They have to be safe coming out of the gate. It's no longer be the first out of the gate. It's be the first safe one out of the gate and nobody can afford to be unsafe. So I think everybody's sort of back uh, doing the hard work, doing the testing, uh, seeing where they really stand and and, and then at some point going out and say, yep, we're ready. It works. Here we go. And I guess to to underscore some of that stuff that's going on, uh, Quietly, I guess, uh, relatively quietly now, uh, in a talk at the Uber Elevate Summit in Washington today, this is from TechCrunch, uh, the Department of Transportation Secretary Elaine Chao shared a total overall figure for ongoing testing of autonomous vehicles on U.S. roads, and she said more than 1,400 self-driving cars, trucks, and other vehicles are currently in testing by more than 80 companies across uh, 36 states and D.C. Well, okay. Um, how many Tesla Model 3s are out there? How many Tesla <laughs> I don't think she counted those. <laughs> S's are out there. And if you look at the capability of autopilot, um, it's probably comparable to uh, many of those that are out there testing. So um, uh, nobody is out there testing driverless. There is no one yet that has done that. Uh, maybe for, you know, uh, a, a few rides um, in Chandler by Waymo. And of course, uh, the one ride in Austin, Texas, 
in 2015, uh, or is it 17? I'm losing track now. Um, uh, otherwise, there, there's none. So there are zero uh, that, are, that are out there doing driverless. Uh, they're all a sort of uh, sort of driverless with attendance out there. Um, the California data and the California disengagement data are the best that's available to measure exactly um, uh, how well any of them are doing because none of them are saying. Um, there are safety reports to the government or nothing but, uh, um, you know, promotional materials, so you can't get much out of that. Um, but um, um, I don't know, um, um, whatever. And uh, uh, Elevate, um, it's nice to see the Uber thinking that they uh, somehow are going to get into the, the uh, helicopter or the drone business. Um, but there was a crash of a helicopter in Manhattan. So um, I can't imagine Elevate uh, having a very much of a market opportunity in Manhattan anytime soon. And uh, I, I imagine, John, is this, this, uh, this slower approach that, that seems to be uh, being taken now uh, with all these companies testing now is one that I guess you appreciate in, in, a, in a sense. Absolutely, we do, because um, we want to see it done right. Now, again, I think Alan's point from earlier is right on. Like, it's not who gets out first, it's who, out, who gets out first in the safest way. So, um, because what will happen, I mean, over time is if, if you know, if autonomous vehicles, if the testing of autonomous, autonomous vehicles goes the wrong way and things start to go bad, um, that's just going to slow things down in the long run. So we, we want to make sure that um, that as these vehicles are being introduced and tested, that all the safety stakeholders are being considered. Uh, I'll, I'll go farther, John, because I have tenure and I just say a lot of things that probably I shouldn't <laughs> say. So, so if they're not safe, it won't happen. It just won't yeah. happen. The public yeah. won't put up with it. You won't put up with it. The insurance industry won't put up with it. Congress won't put up with it. Uh, um, the town council of Princeton won't put up with it. It must be safe. It must be safe. If it's not, it's not going to happen. So everybody, uh, everybody really, uh, please take your time. Do it right. You know whether or not it's safe or not. You're out there driving around, and how many times does, does the attendant have to grab the wheel? And, of course, what brought it home to everyone was, of course, uh, Uber's uh, crash with, uh, with Elaine Herzberg. Um, that car saw Elaine six seconds before it killed her. The system yeah. was turned off the automated emergency braking system was turned off that system. These systems cannot be out there with automated emergency braking systems turned off. If they don't work well enough such that they, you know, tap the brakes when you don't want them, they're not good enough to be out there. Make them so that they are good enough. And until you do, don't you dare put them out there. You already did it once, and it was disastrous. Sorry, John. <laughs> no, I listen. 
I, I agree. hundred uh, percent. You're at well said. And on that note, uh, that will be it for this edition. We want to thank you, John, uh, John Hardiman of NJM for joining in. Really appreciate it. And thank you again for your part in the uh, Princeton summit last month. Uh, again, John, oh, thank, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. And thank you, Fred. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Ask your smart speaker to play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening.